And welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Going for Two, presented by Home Field Apparel. Uh, thankfully, we have not yet been canceled. Thank you for your continued support in helping this podcast continue to function. Uh, I am your host, uh, publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. Uh, I'm joined here by an old colleague of mine, uh, a, an expert in a lot of the things that happen here in, in college athletics, but particularly things that are happening in uh one of the most interesting cities uh, in, in all of college athletics, Louisville. I'm joined here by Mark Ennis of ESPN Louisville. Mark, thanks so much here for uh, taking some time here to chat with me. No, oh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm a big fan. The first home field apparel of any kind that I got was your extra points uh, shirt. So, <gasps> oh uh, my gosh, that now that is high praise. That that is high praise because there's 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 a lot of good stuff. But listen, we'll. We'll shill for home field later. Today, I wanted to talk to you, and not just because I'm actually in Louisville today, um, but you know, Brian and I have been talking, and and we've kind of had this on our top of our board here for a while. Um, you have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, following this market and been involved in this market here for a long time, and it feels like um, Louisville has lurching from one crisis to another since like 2015, with the most recent being. Uh, and maybe crisis isn't the right word, but you're, you're looking for a men's basketball coach. So why don't, I guess, why don't we start with the, the most specific and then we'll go big picture. Why do you, why didn't things work out with Mac? Cause Mac on paper seemed like a great basketball coach. And this is a market and a program where you can win a lot of basketball games. It's, was there something happening here beyond X's and O's? It's, I would say it's probably almost entirely beyond X's and O's. And, you know, we're not used to this around here, but Louisville basketball the last time a coach just didn't work out and they just moved on to somebody else was, was like 80 years ago. Like, this is not what happens here. You know, you have a yeah. beginning in, in the late 40s. You have nothing but, but really successful coaches with one after the other, including almost 50 straight years of having a, a Hall of Fame head coach. So like, this was new for everyone. Now, and I think it's been a great lesson for everyone. I, I think it's perfectly uh, likely that Chris Mack finds another job a little lower down the rung and does an extremely good job, just like he did at Xavier. But this is a great lesson about fit. Yeah. And in particular, I'm talking temperamental fit. I think Chris Mack loved uh, the inherent challenge of kind of overachieving enough to get attention in Cincinnati, right? And Xavier, if everybody in, in Cincinnati does everything right, Xavier's like fifth, maybe. Right. All pro sports and UC and Ohio State. I mean, it takes a lot here. You wake up on on third base every day. Like this is all there is here. And it's a city of 800,000 people. Like it's a big You play in an NBA arena. It's the biggest deal here. And everyone feels uh, some level of kind of involvement in and concern about. uh, And everyone's a basketball coach. I mean, the city watches basketball, period, not just little basketball. All basketball. You know ESPN, they tell you the top markets for everything. It's always new, always. Uh, and I think that he was not prepared for the the public role that the basketball coach is supposed to play here uh, in, in terms of being energized by the attention. Uh, and, and he came in and, and he's a recluse. He, he wants to coach basketball and go home. You know, and Rick Pitino is a freaking rock star. And Denny Crum was a rock star. Uh, and he, he, he couldn't get him at events. He didn't like doing media like at all. Rick, Rick, every single press conference was a virtuoso like, every time. Uh, and I think Chris was drained by, challenged by, didn't like all the things that really make Louisville Louisville and started showing some resentment of it like really quickly. Yeah. Like year two. And I can remember, I'll give you a good, one good example. Uh, I'm in Greensboro. They canceled the ACC tournament. 
And that was probably that was his, was his best team that year. Yeah. I came to the ACC tournament, and I'm just holed up in a hotel in Greensboro wondering what in the world's going on. Uh, and every NCAA basketball coach that I could think of just funneled through ESPN talking about the current tournament being canceled. What should they do? What would they like to see him do? How is their team feeling? All that. That's the first night I didn't see. Anyway. And like that sort of thing, I think he started very quickly started to withdraw and feel kind of some resentment from the fact that he was being expected to really be out there and be public much more than he really likes to do. Uh, and I think he just sort of started to withdraw from the job. And then we can talk about this in a minute, but the, the run-in with leadership when he, when he started to make changes after last year is where I think he really just sort of checked out. You, you, you touch on, I think, a bunch of really unique and, and important things about being a college, uh, really a division one college coach, whether that's football or, or men's or women's basketball, almost anywhere. It's never just about X's and O's. Once you get to a, a certain level, um, Sometimes you can still fly under the radar. You know, Chris Holtman in Ohio State, that's a place that has big expectations, but you're not expected to be a quasi mayor. There's some element of glad, of glad handing, but you you're, you can fly under the radar a little bit. But I, I want to say it, maybe Louisville might be the largest example of this nationwide. I'm trying to think of a place that has over 500,000 people, a place where you're going to have multiple dedicated beat writers, but yeah. no pro sports to really leach away some of that potential interest. It really is a fishbowl that we, and the pros would associate with New York or, or may, maybe in some, maybe Chicago in some cases. Um, but that, that's, that, that, that's what this is, right? Like you really have to have a, um, it's, it's kind of the bit we always said about Texas football, right? You have to be a little bit of a politician to function there. Is, 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 do you think that's a fair comparison to Louisville men's basketball? I definitely do. And there are dynamics in the state also that I think make it kind of unique too. Uh, with Louisville being uh, in versus the rest of the state. And I know that there are other in-state rivalries where sort of one part of the state roots for this team, one's for the other. But with yeah. the state of Kentucky, there's Jefferson County where Louisville is and sort of the surrounding five or six counties that butt up against it, where there's big populations of people that like Louisville and big populations of, let's just say, minorities. Like, it's, a, it's very different right here than the whole state. And Louisville's always needed kind of an, an advocate you know, a public advocate, a big picture person to to advocate for the job at all times, either just in terms of PR or in terms of like literally lobbying for the job. Uh, and Chris, that's just not Chris, like at all. Uh, and he just didn't like the Breonna Taylor stuff. Like I bet you that stuff didn't fly really anywhere in the state, but it was a big deal here. And Chris Mack was really nowhere to be found with any of that. You know I hadn't even thought about that, but now, now, now that you mentioned it, I think you're right. We, we, we remember seeing PR statements and things that our program is doing and educational components, probably a, a third of the schools across the country. And, and some of them places that you wouldn't expect because they're either very, yeah, BYU did this right. Like places that are as PWI market and coach and roster as it comes. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that they didn't do anything, but I, I can't immediately recall it. And you compare that to maybe with a similar, yeah. Need anything? Yeah. Let me let me touch on something you, you kind of alluded to there a little bit about clashes with leadership because one of the other things like I think you know over the last six months that uh, drew Brian and I's attention to this market is this has not been a place that seems to have enjoyed particularly stable leadership above the coaching level for years. We had a, a, an uncommonly public dispute 
uh, or personality clash or whatever between your old athletic director and university president. And it looked like from outside of the market that, all right, you're going to go to Florida State. That seems that that's a promotion on, on some levels. That's a, a different kind of gig. And then not only did were bridges burned, you didn't even take that job. And then the president ends up leaving, too. And so it was like a Mexican standoff where everybody got shot. Like, did, did, did we am I doing this incorrectly or is that basically what happened? No, I think that is exactly what happened. And it really goes back to to the person of Chris Mack. I think the president did not think he was a good fit here. Uh, especially in terms of the very issues that were that were being raised about racial issues here in the city uh, and Louisville basketball's history. There haven't been many chances to hire a coach, but they've never had a black coach. And it's, it is a very black city. And it's been a point of pride, quite frankly. It's how they've been different from Kentucky, right? Like it's been a uh, that sort of thing. And he just seemed to not want any part of it. And then when he ran afoul of Basically, yeah. HR, by the way, he fired Dino Gaudio and, and opened himself up to what happened with the extortion attempt and all that. The president wanted him out. Like, I think we, we've basically been able to piece together. She wanted to fire him over there, and they were able to compromise on the suspension, but the blood was all bad from there on. The president and AD didn't get along yeah. and didn't agree on it, uh, and Chris Mack kind of felt betrayed by it, uh, and then... Vince Tyree sort of felt like he had not been supported in, in defending his guy, even when he felt like maybe he did deserve something. Uh, and then basically all three of them just tried to get out of here for the next four or five months. <laughs> like it's, a, it's a wild place. After having enjoyed Tom Jurich, uh, who, you know, foibles and all, stable, uh, and, and president before that in uh, uh, Ramsey, they, they got along and worked together famously, and you enjoyed a lot of stability, at least when it comes to basketball. So, yeah, it's been hectic around here. Yeah. In, in case maybe our listeners have forgotten, can you maybe refresh my memory about how the Jurich era, uh, era ended? Because I, I mean, I, I recall, hey, uh, was was kind of tied to almost every big job throughout the country near the end of that tenure because Louisville Athletics brought in a ton of money and uh, it moved to a different conference and and on the balance sheet looked looked much better. And maybe we can just uh, ignore maybe some of the football coaching hires for a little bit. But that's that's part of what happens with a with the big time program. Why did that end? Because, you know, in, in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, that was a that was a kind of a Louisville story. Century. And, I mean, and, I will not lie. So Matt uh, Bevin, the previous cover, Louisville stories, uh, brain, you know, kind of didn't think rules apply to him. Like, I just I don't know how else to say it than that. Uh, and came in having been elected. And look, there there were real questions about how Louisville yeah. was using the university foundation as kind of a, a capital fund, you know, to, to getting things done in athletics in ways that were pretty sketchy at times. But overall, I mean, Tom Jurich was an unbelievably successful athletic director, period. But when Matt Bevin was sure. elected governor, uh, there were questions about why the board of trustees didn't really oversee a lot of what was going on with the foundation money in a, in a more active way. And instead of when it was his turn to start appointing people, he basically just fired the whole board and inserted an entire new board uh, and he appointed all of them. And the FBI stuff happened uh, with Patino and Adidas and all of that. They were both fired together. Uh, mm. as a, overall, this is so bad. We just need a, a cleaning right. of the house, and they were both you know run out together. It's wild. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a ton of political drama just going on in the state of kind of still continuing, right, with, with the current governor and, and everything that's related to that. But you mentioned Tom Jurich. There seemed to be a bit of a cult of personality. And, and I know uh, certainly when this opening came back up recently, I know there's a lot of Louisville folks that would love to have Tom Jurich back. What is it about his kind of cult of personality almost that that endeared him so much to the, the folks? Is it just all those buildings that got put up or is there something else that kind of in the water that – uh, made him, you know, kind of beloved by by Louisville despite the the ending. Yeah, it's he is an extremely charming person. He is, and he has a very powerful personality, uh, and he's very good at, in particular, hiring coaches and raising money. And you know, you guys know what ADs do for a living. That's a pretty damn big part of the pie. Uh, and he's very good at that. And he he run roughshod over people sometimes. Yeah, he did. And he hired. Was he kind of yep. justify the means a little bit sometimes? Yeah, he was, but he got a lot of results. I think what you see with a lot of like just rank and file Louisville fans who are all very good people is like he, you didn't really have to do a lot of like nuance. Like if, you, if Tom wants to do it, that's good. That's fine. And overall, like you were usually safe. Uh, and he swung big sometimes and hit big sometimes. I mean, Jeff Walls had never been a head coach. Now he's one of the best in women's basketball, period. You know, Dan McDonald never been a head coach. Louisville goes to the free college world series. They have no business being in the college world series as much as they are. Like he's, he's an amazing hosted hosted regionals, right? Something that that's almost unheard of at, at this at where you are geographically. They're uh, capital them. capital B program. Yeah, yeah, got them into the ACC. He was the single biggest factor in them getting into the ACC over UConn. Uh, it, but Tom's not easy to get along with. Uh, and he wanted his way or the highway and, and definitely really felt like he had earned the right to basically just sort of do things on his terms when there was a very real sweeping sense that like the university needs to make sure it's more active in oversight. Thomas is never going to go with that. And I think that there was a plan that was basically, I'm going to put a new board in there and if he doesn't want to play ball, he's out. And that's what they did. And that's why there's so many sore feelings still over that. You know, he did a good enough job that he, he deserved, I think, a better ending than he got. I think that's definitely true. Uh, and that's why it sort of just feels like it, it won't be let go by a lot of people. Sure. I mean, especially if you had where uh, a, a power vacuum that's centered around one particular person. I, I it's, not, it's not a perfect example, but I think a little bit about UCF, honestly, as, as an athletic department that put up a lot of buildings and made a lot of hires and grew very quickly. Yeah. And uh, sometimes when you do that, maybe not every TPS form is filed correctly with the state house. And uh, I, I think in Florida, the appetite for uh, political oversight was a little bit different than, than it was in Kentucky. Uh, and not everybody responds to that. And if you bring in somebody that, uh, and this is, this is the, I, I apologize for using this term, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's one really with endearment. If you don't bring in the right kind of asshole, when you had the right kind of asshole before, you can have a problem with your fan base and community. And that is an issue when your job as an AD is to ask those people for money, right? It, it, it seems like that's part of the issue that happened here. Oh, um, let, let, me, maybe, let me ask you this, and maybe, maybe it's an unfair question, but between now uh, a couple of athletic directors that have come and gone and a couple of major coaches that have now been tied with scandals and, and a weird relationship with the governor's office and the, the challenge, the uh, unique racial dynamic between the two major programs uh, in this state and the metropolitan area versus everything else. Like, a lot of things just happen here and they happen here even when you change the leaders, when it's a different coach or a different president or a different, and, and you kind of touched on this in the beginning that, hey, there's a fishbowl event uh, situation here where you're the biggest game in town. 
Is there anything else that you think is specific to Louisville that makes it a market where weird things are more likely to happen? Is, I mean, I, I listen, I've seen the billboards. I know you like to talk about your water and, and it's how it's supposed to be tasty and everything. But it's like, is there something specific in there that makes this like not boring? Yeah, there is one other element. I mean, you named a lot of them, but the, the other element is like Louisville's the, it's the biggest city in Kentucky by far, by a lot. Uh, and it's like 70, 30, like 30%, 35% are Kentucky like graduates and fans who move here for work. Hmm. And so even though this is like by far the biggest concentration of global fans is in Jefferson County and Oldham and Bullock County and some of the surrounding, uh, surrounding counties, there's an enormous contingent of Kentucky fans too. And so it's, uh, it's not a geographical rivalry in that regard. Like your neighbor probably might be a Kentucky fan and the guy you work with or report to, uh, or the guy that, you know, uh, you, know you sit across from on a flight, you know, it's, it's going to be a Kentucky fan. You got, and so the rivalry sort of never stops. And I think a lot of in-state rivalries are a lot more geographical uh, than this one. And this one is like, that you are mixed here. And, and it's not the same in Lexington. Louisville fans don't live in Lexington. <laughs> they don't go to work there. I mean, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. There aren't very many cities that are this big, no real uh, competing pro sports, although the soccer program or uh, franchise is growing quite well. But still, it, it, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about pro sports. Yeah. Uh, Memphis is maybe the only city where Memphis is there, but Ole Miss has like a gigantic following. Tennessee maybe has a big following too. They have pro sports too. I mean, Louisville is really unique uh, in that regard. And that kind of adds to uh, the angst, you know, about leadership and, and people who live in Louisville who don't like Louisville or do like Louisville. And you're kind of constantly uh, suspicious of people. You know, it's, it's a unique place in that regard. Yeah, I'm, Brian, I'm trying to think. Like, Mississippi and Arkansas seem like two other places where you might have a little bit of this with, with power dynamics happening between like Northwest Arkansas and Little Rock or Jackson and the, and the major Mississippi programs with the, maybe a similar racial split, but that's just me talking off the top of my head. I can't, I don't think there are too many other ones, right? Uh, The thing that came to mind uh, just as as Mark was talking about was, was probably Arizona, Arizona state. Uh, You know, obviously a lot of UA grads going to Phoenix Mm -hmm. and that kind of mix there. And, And that's, Definitely one of the more underrated rivalries in terms of the, the nastiness. Um, maybe not quite on the level of of bitterness that that we see out of UKUL sometimes. Um, just given the probably the state of their respective football programs at times, but um, that that came to mind immediately was was kind of Arizona Arizona State just because it is it is a unique mix, you know, in terms of you know where the alums are living, and that that would kind of transition into my next next question. Who are, who are, what's the donor base like for, for Louisville? Because it, it's got to be a, a bit more unique than, say, UK, um, just, just given the, the you know how young the university is and, and how it's kind of transitioned over the last couple decades. It's growing and changing. You know, you had kind of an older, uh, like Brown Foreman, you know, tobacco and things like that. It was a big part of what they did early. Like they, the ceiling tiles at, at Freedom Hall where they used to play, I mean, have tobacco stains on. Like it's a different, you know, it's changed a little bit. Uh, but it's also kind of unique in that some of the, they have a great, um, not just donor base, but a great uh, connection to just a corporate donorship that's here. Because if you're here as a corporation, this is the thing to advertise on, you know? Like, and so they've all, yeah. you know, well, UPS, you know, is a ginormous company here and they've been very active in program things. I would say, Louisville, I'm glad you mentioned it, sort of being sort of young in this regard. There's one more dynamic I wanted to, to mention about 
you know, I think Auburn, Alabama, or like you mentioned, the Arizonas or, or the schools that are in state, most of them are uh, peers and one side sort of hates the other. There's a very real dynamic here of Louisville, like not wanting to see Louisville as a peer to Kentucky. Like Kentucky you know, we're talking about people that went there, people in state government. Uh, it took decades of lobbying to get basically like the governor to force Kentucky and Louisville to play in basketball. Kentucky would not do it. It was representative of that thing where it was like, we're not going to treat you like you're as important as the University of Kentucky. Uh, and so the Louisville's always had a chip on its shoulder. It was sort of, we, we do this without any help, you know, and that's sort of right. thing. So that's a giant part of suspicion. And also Louisville was not a great academic school for a really long time. I and mean, it's only now a pretty good one. And Kentucky's better. And when it, when it comes to boards of trustees, professorships, things like that, you know, older people who take those positions, a lot of them come to the UK because it, it was a better school for that. Louisville doesn't have a journalism department. So a lot of times you get your beat writer actually went to UK and there's this suspicion and it just never stops. And it's it's not crazy, but it doesn't always apply, but you don't always know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, and then you add into this fact that, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Louisville reminds me a little bit of places like Cincinnati and New Orleans where the parochial school system places is an, has an outsized importance in social circles within the business community mm -hmm. where it can be a bigger city, but it feels much smaller. Yes. So then when you add in that factor with distrust and having to share institutions, I can, I'm just imagining socially, this can be a much more combustible mess, right? Like that's, absolutely. that's, yeah, that's, an, yeah. that's a lesser factor than some of those other things, but absolutely no, hundred percent. That's, it's a big deal. Uh, so the dynamics with the rest of the state really are, are a constant thing we're thinking about. So because of that, would you, does it make sense for your next coach or your next AD or your next top level administrator to get somebody from like Washington state? Like, is it better to get someone who has absolutely no skin in the game and these blood feuds? Or do you want somebody who, or do, do you need, or, you know, athletic director Raylan Givens who done coal with all these people <laughs> and, and understands it in their blood. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what's the right move, right? Well, Tom Jurich was from Colorado State. And I think Northern Arizona before that, uh, yeah. outsider and uh, came in and did some hard stuff. I mean, basically ushered out Denny Crum, you know, a lot, and there were sore feelings about that, but, he, but then he hired Rick Pitino and you're like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> worked out it was, yeah. Uh, I would think you add to it now, there were a lot of people who feel loyal to Tom and I would, I would think it would be best for Louisville to go outside so that no one feels like, oh, this is a person that represents this faction, right? Mm -hmm. And just be a total ball-busting outsider, who, whoever he or she might be, I think would be better in terms of healing old wounds. For the basketball coach or the football coach, I mean, there was a big push to try to get Jeff Brown from Purdue uh, before they opted to keep, you know, Scott. Uh, I understand at the coaching level, I think I'm more sensitive to that, more, uh, more open to the idea that that person would fly better with fans, but at the, the administrative level, I would really love total outsiders that don't seem like they're here to settle some score. It's interesting you mentioned total outsiders because uh, your intern AD, Josh Hurd, we're, we're actually having an interview with him uh, on, on D1 Extra and, and Collegiate Sports Connect, if you want to catch that. Nice segue, but nice plug. Um, but, uh, you know, Josh Hurd, 
he's he's trying to he's he's going for this job. Obviously, he, he's been up for a couple other AD jobs, but it doesn't seem like he he wants this Louisville gig and and, and wants it badly based solely on his actions. I mean, obviously, the Chris Mack saga and, and handling that is is a big part of that. He's created his own NIL department at Louisville, really beefing up efforts to to kind of prove that he is the AD and he's kind of taking charge of the department. What do, what do you think about about Josh's his tenure so far? And and does he have a shot just because of those kind of internal politics and the fact that simply you got a presidential shirts that's going on at yeah, the same I mean, time. Louisville's not going to have a choice but to kind of go backwards here. Uh, you would think like in an ideal world, you'd hire a president and you'd hire an AD and then a basketball coach so that everyone's sort of aligned and everyone knows who's going to be answering to who. But you keep. Presidential searches take forever. And AD searches can take a, lot, a long time too. You can't not have a basketball coach. So I think they're going to go backwards uh, and basically either make Josh permanent and then hire a basketball coach and then hire a president knowing this is who you're going to inherit. Uh, or make or hire the basketball coach and then maybe deal with the basketball with the uh, the AD. I, I have found Josh to be pretty impressive uh, so far, uh, and it's not to me it's nothing short of miraculous that they, they owed Chris Mack about thirteen million if they just fired him, you know, and, they, and he walked away with four point eight over four years, and, and that was the complete opposite of what happened with Bobby Petrino in 2018, where Bobby basically just mailed it in. It's like, you fire man getting 14 million, you know it, I know it. And, and there was no avoiding that train wreck. And Josh was able to get out from under that to where Louisville's really not hamstrung and looking for another coach they're going to have to pay. Uh, and it's, it's moves like that, embracing NIL, to where uh, you know, last week they get a big-time quarterback that commits, and Pete Thamel's writing an article about it, and they're talking about Adidas boards in town and stuff. It's crazy. Uh, I think Josh has done extremely well. I think the biggest thing working against him is Vince was the the interim AD, and then they just made him permanent, and things didn't go great in terms of the hires and that sort of thing. And I do wonder if he was. I don't want to do that again. But but Josh is a lifetime college sports guy, and he he went to Villanova, did a great job at Villanova too. Came back for this. So if they do that, I think people have. Been positive about him, and, and like I just had Jeff Walls on the radio show today, and he's like, if they if they make Josh permanent, I'd be a big supporter of that. So he has the support of some of the prominent coaches too. No, that's that that is a, a difficult thing to do, and 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 important, not just in this market. Like I'm, it is rare, I think, that you would let an interim be the one responsible for making such a big hire right now it's a little rare that you would let an interim take lead on running something or building something as big as an as a, an nil expansion right like generally um you 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 want to make sure that that's those are the kind of things that are, are are more structured and secure over a longer period of time it's harder to go to hire a coach if the coach doesn't know who his boss is going to be so i mean i look at this as either this is a combination of terrible timing we have to make the best of it or by god this is somebody who really wants this gig and, and we're willing to trust them a little bit uh, to figure things out. I think there are a lot of people when he came back from Villanova uh, that thought he was going to be groomed to perhaps take over for Vince. Because Vince was always seen as kind of a, a temporary, you know, he didn't have yeah. a college background, a business background. He didn't have a college athletics background. And, and Josh does. That's all he ever wanted to do. Uh, and it's all he's really ever done. Uh, so I think there are a lot of people that viewed him as as – perhaps going to be next in line for this job anyway. Uh, but it is pretty obvious that they have a lot of faith in him, that they are letting him sort of do these big sweeping things. And I think he views all of them as auditions and it's probably pretty smart on his part. 
So we, we obviously have an AD search. We have the presidential search. We have the, the basketball search. Like after that gets done, what is kind of the, the, the future, the broad future of, of Louisville athletics and, and kind of where, where the school and, and where the athletic department kind of goes from here? Yeah, and ho- with hopefully the answer not being another one of those searches for any of those in the next 18 months. Let's 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 make the cautious assumption. Whoever gets hired for these roles sticks around for a minute. Well, let's let's hope that that's true, too. I feel like a, there is a like a. a a fear here of, of the dipping into sort of Tennessee football territory where you just sort of <laughs> yeah. constantly uh, you at some point get off that, that merry-go-round. Uh, look, I think Louisville's really well positioned in like the era of NIL. And I thought Pete did a nice job kind of writing about some of that with the Pierce Clarkson kid that committed. Like it's a giant city where you can, you can be the biggest deal in town and like, UCLA is a big deal, but you're never going to be the biggest thing in LA, but you might be here. And that's, you know, basketball, football, women's sports, that sort of thing. Like there's some, some value in that financially and that sort of thing. So I think they have a chance if they sort of do it all right, to be really successful in kind of the NIL era, Uh, but you've got to get the same people here and, and rebuild some of these relationships that have just sort of been tattered by constant who's in charge of that turnover. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's the real story of, of being an AD in, in this era right now, particularly as some of these NIL efforts become more formalized and more corporate. And you're, you're basically building a secondary athletics foundation. And we've seen in places like Florida State where that can fall apart over ego or over who's in charge of what, even if you have all of these demographic and financial and historical advantages. And if you don't, and you're like Murray, well, then, you know, God bless, because you're already working against so many other yeah. you know, challenging things. And you might still have some of those um, local conflicts. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I could definitely see the potential in a lot of ways to be excited about the future if everybody can kind of get out of their own way here for a minute. And that's, and that's probably the best way to think about it is like, can we stop stopping ourselves? You know, and, and just, yeah. Look, the, the basketball hire in particular did not work out. And there and, and all of the fallout from that uh, the, that has happened really just, I think, springs from the fact that he wasn't a good fit, wasn't as good. If he'd been a better coach, he, I don't think anyone is nearly as bold about perhaps wanting him out. He doesn't have to fire assistant coaches. Like, it, it all really flowed out of him not getting results and not doing a very good job here. And, I'm kind of curious about Chris in the future. Like I, you guys talk to ADs and stuff more. I would love to know what ADs think about somebody who doesn't succeed at a place with lots to work with. Uh, and, and then the team looks dramatically different the minute that you're gone. Yeah. I can't imagine play well Barry, if, if he decides to try to coach again. Sometimes those people get second chances, you know, uh, Char- Charlie Strong was was uh, was somebody that that, uh, you know, people were interested in talking to. Willie Taggart was able to get uh, a- other jobs. Um, sometimes you'll, you'll look and, and you'll think it, you know, reached a similar conclusion that you did. That it was about fit. It, it, I mean, it, it, we've seen Chris Mack coach basketball teams that have performed well before. So I, I, I haven't talked to any, you know, I'm not nearly as much of a college basketball person as, as you are, but I haven't heard anybody besmirch his, his ability to break down his own defense or that he forgot how to work a chalkboard. Um, we'll see. I, I would, I would imagine some other AD will, will, will want to reach out to him too. I guess the question is, is that at a place like Boston college? Is that at a place like an A10 school? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, say, I don't, I don't know. 
Well, I, I would be shocked if anything happens before there's some ultimate resolutions in terms of all the investigations. Oh, I think yeah, that would, that, that's that, that too. He might have a cup of coffee, certainly in the NBA or even the G League might be better suited to him, just given the lack of demands in terms of media appearances and kind of running that organization, just kind of being part of you know somebody that uh, has, an, has the kind of organizational plan all set. Maybe that's that's another avenue back and in, in, uh, we kind of see the the Nick Saban brand of, of rehab on the hoops court uh, coming through the NBA. But I, I would be shocked if any sitting AD outside of uh, somebody that, that has a connection to Chris says, you know what? Yeah, you're you're our guy just because uh, of, of that thing holding over the head. I mean, we're we're seeing it with just pretty much everything out there right now. If, if you have an NCAA investigation tied to you. You you kind of got to sit sit yourself out uh, for a couple of years. Maybe maybe Bobby Petrino uh, aside with with going down to the FCS level. That, that those are the rare exceptions I think uh, in terms of getting back in the game after after this. Sure. Yeah, and, and I should have mentioned one other dynamic that has just and you guys know how it is. Uh, you know the, the the delay is the punishment, but like the fact that you know what happened with Rick and and the uh, yeah. the NCAA stuff with Adidas and all that. I mean, that was October of 2017, and it is February 2022 with, with no resolution. And I, I don't think Chris, I, me, nobody could have thought like it would linger this long. And and Louisville's in the unique one in, in all of these. They're, they're in the IRP like several others have been, but they're the ones who are within kind of that repeat offender window. Uh, but it's not really clear exactly what people at Louisville did, but it happened to a kid that went to Louisville. So I, not knowing and not being able to say with any kind of clarity, are you going to get like a two-year postseason ban? You know, things like that. Like it could happen uh, yeah. conceivably. Uh, it looks like the hour is kind of soft, but it's, conceivably it could happen. Uh, has been a pretty big anchor on Chris Mack. And I don't want to dismiss how much of a factor that's been uh, for him on top of the that's – no, that, that's a great. It's a great point, and 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 maybe I'm maybe I'm out of line here too. I, I would imagine it's been a challenge for your listeners and for Louisville fans over the last five or six years to not just then have coaches and administrators people come in and maybe not meet expectations, but also you've had to defend people getting in trouble a lot. And I I, I can I can imagine the idea of you know we obviously we want to we want a great basketball coach we want somebody who's going to be comfortable in this market. Somebody who is going to be fine hopping on the radio and going to the Kiwanis Club and and, you know, maybe having a couple of beers in the Knights of Columbus Hall somewhere and and loving where we are. We'd also wouldn't mind having somebody who's a little bit more boring as far as not having the phrase continuing investigation attached to them. Right. Or or, or somebody that, that we don't necessarily. Yeah, we don't we don't have to feel bad about rooting for. And, and maybe if that's not. You know, if that's not the A1 potential candidate, if you go like one or two lines down below, but you know you're not going to have to worry about that, I, I can understand maybe as somebody, in the, as one of your fans, just being like, I'm tired of all of this, that scandal fatigue. That's, this, this, is, this is a factor, right? It is a factor, but I will say that now five years, close to five years, four and a half years removed from you know, the, the firings and all that, that yeah. fans very quickly boomerang back to, Sure did like it when we won a lot of games, even if they <laughs> Okay. Like, it, yeah. you, you hit this trough and be like, hey, look, at least he's not going to get us in trouble, that sort of thing. But it very quickly boomerangs right back to, well, damn, I miss winning games and, and being on college game day and being a three seed and going to the Sugar Bowl. Like, it, it doesn't take long for that to come back. And if you have to pick between, like, we suck, but we don't ever get in trouble versus we get in trouble here and there, but we'll win a lot, people are going to pick the letter. 
Yeah, no, nobody wants a saint who only whose whose crowning achievement is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Like, <laughs> if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna be successful at this level, you've got to win games. Yeah. Um, there there may be something to be said for you know, win games and 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 maybe don't buy a motorcycle or or you know win games and and check for a wiretap kind of situation. And you have a, maybe a longer rope in some markets than you do in other ones, right? Like that's yeah, it's it's. it's- yeah. Yeah, but like if you're going to be that kind of coach, though, and sort of run roughshod over rules or over people, uh, you have to always win all the time. Uh, and 2018 is like the best example. Like Petrino was one of the worst people I've ever met, ever, like hands down. Uh, it, but he won a lot. And so you put up with a lot. Yeah. But the minute it goes south, you get no you get no rope whatsoever. You're done. Get out of here. If we're going to lose and it, everyone is this miserable, they are done in a heartbeat. Even if we have to eat 14 years. <laughs> no, I mean, like that's 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 a great point. Like it's uh, Missouri State. There was not a long line for his services at the FCS level. I know that Missouri State was a real dog of a job. Well, and right? they got a former judge. Uh, yeah, with the AD there, Kyle Motes. So yeah, yes, and 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 it's worked. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of of the market reaction, honestly, to Urban Meyer. Um, where you know you are bringing in somebody with baggage, both capital B actual c- crime kind of baggage, and also you're an asshole, yeah. and and a lot of a lot of people don't like you. And when you are beating Michigan seven times in a row, that's one thing. When you're at Ohio State, and not only can you see the cracks starting to happen, and also you did really bad things, that's another thing. But if you're a Jaguars fan, like there, there's I'm, there's I'm not going to put up with this, and also the fact that you suck as a person. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, if he, if, if, the, if somebody with, with, who was, I don't know, like what some other faceless career NFL coordinator who I'm going to forget about four months from now did the things that Meyer did in Jacksonville, the way that it happened. I think you would have gotten to at least finished the year because it wouldn't, it, it, it's not all the other things that come with it. And we haven't, you haven't had that in Louisville for a minute. Yeah. And I will say this. I don't, I don't want anyone listening to this to think that Chris Mack was like that. Yeah, and I'm, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Was, was apparently, by all means, uh, he didn't like the media, and that's fine. I don't care if coaches like media. That's you don't have to. But in terms of day-to-day treatment of everyone that reported to him or that assisted or worked in the athletic department or donors or boosters or parents or whatever, was 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 a dream. Yeah, but he, I think he was drained by the job. But I don't think that he ever yeah. was accused of mistreating anybody. That, that's 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 a good point. That's uh that I think I think it's a good point. Um, Brian, do you think uh, did you have anything else here before we let Mark out before something else crazy happens in Louisville? I, I was going to say, you know, if we let him go, something's bound to happen. But I, I think the the takeaway from my conversation with, with this one is just uh, Louisville athletics going forward. Let's be boring, but let's win. You know, I think that that seems to be that summing yeah. up uh, the, the let's come is, is let's be boring and win. Let, yeah, be boring and competent. Let's be Kroger. But I mean, I guess not Kroger that much because I, I know Kroger's in bed with Kentucky. But it's something where you don't have to think about it. I've, I've joked about this all the time. If you're a fan, I don't think you want to know the name of your athletic director. No. You don't really want to know who your conference commissioner is. Like for someone down the street here, yeah. I don't want to know where my board of trustees members went to college, right? I don't want to know my <laughs> board of trustees members. I shouldn't, but we do. And I would love to. Yeah, I would love to go back to not knowing who's on board. I really. It'd be great. That yeah that. That, that sounds great. Mark, thanks so much here for taking some time here with us. We uh, we really appreciate it. And if you're in the, if you're in the in the market, be sure to check out ESPN Louisville. Uh, Mark has been on this beat for a long time and knows the stuff. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys. Enjoy it. 
I'm really glad that we were able to uh, spend some time there with Mark. I've, I've known Mark for a while. He uh, knows the good, the bad, the ugly, and the profoundly weird in this area better than almost anybody that I know. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind enough, even at the very beginning, to point out uh, that um, – Homefield's pretty good. So he's an expert, not just in uh, in the Louisville athletics, but also in uh, officially licensed collegiate apparel. And if that wasn't a segue worth this money, Homefield apparel, I don't I don't know what is. Hey, speaking um, of Louisville, the Louisville designs on Homefield are are fantastic. Like I'm I'm definitely there is there may or may not be uh, a certain design with a, a certain cardinal uh, t-shirt already in my cart uh, ready to go for my next uh, uh, multi uh, six uh, three figure uh, order from home field but like uh, they get some great designs for global <laughs> and and i have been a great partner for, for that school as well so it's, it's gonna uh, if you're listening to this episode even if you don't have a a true tie-in cards they, they got some great designs uh from those shirts and, and from the the hoodies that are, are especially uh warm nowadays as we seem to have uh so, some some weather coming across uh, most of the country right now dude you're not kidding and louisville is a kind of a hard i think like logo to really do well because it's a bird with teeth and like cardinals don't have teeth that look like that and it should be a profoundly distressing image on a lot of different levels one of the things that i think homefield does very well is that they have found a niche, not just in like vintage logos, but in animals playing sports, those vintage logos doing something. And if you give the bird with the teeth a basketball, you maybe have him lie down on his back and like spin it like he's a Harlem Globetrotter. Suddenly he doesn't look like an abomination against man and God, but something kind of cool and something that you wouldn't mind wearing around. They, they've managed to, to thread that needle very well with that collection. Um, I don't have any connection to Louisville whatsoever. I've only I've only been to Kentucky a handful of times before taking this gig. I could be persuaded into buying one of those. Um, but you don't have to buy just Louisville. You could buy Indiana. You could buy University of Utah. You could buy West Virginia. I'm still wearing my, my hoodie here because it's, it's cold and gross. And uh, my Marquette baby blue hoodie, uh, I didn't watch before I came out here on this trip. You can get any number of, uh, of, of, other, of other schools this week. Uh, that should be dropping you know, shortly after this episode releases. We have the University of South Carolina, uh, another challenging uh, logo and typography and everything to, to, to do well. I'm sure they nailed it because just like they nailed Gonzaga, just like they nailed Cincinnati, just like they're going to nail a couple of these other big schools in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, other basketball-focused institutions here for big new Saturday season three. So you can grab your home field stuff, whether that's a horrific man-bird hybrid uh, or or something maybe a little bit less um, so a little bit little bit less weird uh, at Home Field Apparel, and you can use promo code Extra Points uh, to save fifteen percent off your first order. Uh, they're great. They're comfortable. They give us money. They have your favorite school. The people that you trust uh, to tell you about your favorite college sports program, they love them too. Uh, please support our sponsors and, uh, and and put on something nice for a change when you walk out of the house. Um, this has been great. Uh, we're gonna have. I think we're gonna. I, I think we're gonna dip into the market explainers a little bit more as we head into the end of the college basketball season, into the great off season. That was uh, a run of episodes that did really well for us. I think before football. Uh, we have a couple other exciting interviews and some, and some crazy news happening here over the next couple of weeks. Brian, uh, I'll let you go to go attend to your children. And I'm going to go. And uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, I probably am alive. But I'm, I'm about to try the midnight run to drive from Louisville to get to Chicago in time for my wife's birthday. So I can uh, I can still be a dutiful husband before this ice storm. So thanks for watching. 
Thanks for supporting us. We'll catch up with you more for Going for Two and Extra Points next week.